Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. and welcome back to the Squiggly Career Podcast. I'm Helen, I'm one of the co-founders of Amazing If and I'm here with my other co-founder Sarah. Hi everyone. And this week's topic we're going to be tackling in the Squiggly Careers Podcast is all around how many hours a week should you work. But before we dive into that I thought we should tell you if it's your first time here, welcome, a little bit about um, why we do the Squiggly Careers Podcast and how it can help you. Maybe just a bit of a reflection on our squiggly squiggly weeks. So um, maybe I'll start with uh, why, why we're here and we'll kick off with your, your squiggly weeks, Sarah. So the the why we're here, we started this podcast, I think this might be episode 46. Ooh. So we are rapidly approaching 50. I don't really know what that means, but the, the, the sooner... It sounds be, like a nice round number. It sounds number, a nice round so. number, yeah. The sooner we 50 episodes. Um, we started this podcast because we wanted to reach as many people as possible to help them develop the skills to succeed in a squiggly career. And a squiggly career is one that we know many many people are facing and it's where there's a lot more change there's a lot more uncertainty equally there's loads of opportunity for your career but we know that some people can find that a bit scary and that certain skills and tools and techniques can really help you to take control of it and feel confident in it and our podcast is one way in which that we we help people so that's why we're here and that's what we do each week and um, before we dive into the how many hours of work you how oh gosh I need to stop saying how many hours a week you work uh, Sarah what has your your week looked like so far? Uh, well it's potentially quite an ironic topic that we're talking about so far so I have worked uh, a lot of hours this week uh, and we'll, we'll come on to discuss whether that's a good thing a bad thing how relevant that is I think because it's been a short week so it was bank holiday Monday which was brilliant but because of the week that I have, I don't work on a Thursday um, for the advertising agency that I work in. I spend Thursdays on Amazing If, which is brilliant. But when I have a week that has a bank holiday, it's both a blessing oh, and it's yeah. it's brilliant for the Monday and then an absolute curse when it gets to the Tuesday because essentially you're still trying to do your week but in a much shorter space of time. And so I, I was re- because I was reflecting on this topic prior to today, I actually took a couple of pictures of what time I was actually finishing work over the last few days. And it was, you know, when you're getting home and like, even though it's still quite light in the evening, the streetlights were definitely on <laughs> or, you know, you're in your study at night and I could literally hear my boyfriend he doesn't listen to this so he won't care like snoring in the other room so I was like I'm still working and I can hear one person snoring and actually I could hear my baby also snoring (laughs) maybe it's time to call it a day yeah that at that point I was like do you know what everyone else is asleep I'm just gonna go to sleep so it's been it has actually been a really kind of full-on week and I'm always really mindful of how many hours you work and how you spend your time so I'm looking forward to I guess sharing a bit about what we do that works really well and also just the challenges that I think we all have now because I think one of the 
the things with squiggly careers is it means that this this whole idea of being always on is is so much easier than it's ever been if I think about when we started work together I don't think Blackberry had even been invented or if it had we wouldn't have been senior enough to have one would we yeah when did you get your first Blackberry not for a little while probably not till I was in like mid-20s I used to love my Blackberry yeah I I remember like thinking I'd like made it when I got (laughs) a Blackberry but actually the Blackberry was the starter of yeah you can always be contactable people will send emails at lots of different times of night you know, debate, is that a good thing? Is it not such a good thing? Well, I was um, in researching some of the stuff for today's podcast. I was looking at a piece of data that said that in 2002, the data found that only 10% of people worked outside of hours. Um, and right. actually now it's 50% of people who are working outside of hours checking their emails outside of hours. I was actually surprised. I was like, only 50%? I'm, yeah. I, most people I know do that. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I think it's, again, reality, reality of how people are working. And it is, you know, you are always on, but the, I think today we're, we're going to try and look at some perspectives on how many hours a week should you work based on our experience. Um, I think we'll, we'll leave the spoiler till the end of that, that answer. Um, and my my week has been a bit of an interesting week. I've got a lot of my team on holiday at the moment, so it's that time of year when everyone's away, <laughs> and I seem to be on the out of office for probably half of my team. <laughs> it's a bit mad. Take it as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, however, I'm getting my own back because I'm also on holiday next week, so I'm just gonna just just bomb all of their inboxes and just refer everybody back to them so they can have some of their own medicine. But no, and, and I'm I... also on holiday, and so many people have now asked me, "Are you going on holiday together? Do you, do you go on holidays <laughs> we together?" Are not and I'm like, "Going on holiday? We together. definitely don't go on holiday together." <laughs> I think our other halves would not be very happy about that um i also had a really interesting meeting this week with um the person that's taken over my new role so i'm in a sort of transition period at the moment moving on from microsoft and moving towards amazing if full time which is very exciting i had a great meeting this week with the person taking over my role at microsoft so that was really um really just quite exciting talking to them about it and and also quite reassuring i would guess because you know you work within any role i always think really hard and you want the good things that you've done to continue? Do you know what, for me, it's the, my team. I really care about yeah. my team. And so having a conversation for two hours with somebody about the individuals in my team, what their development steps are, that makes me think, that makes me really happy. I feel like yeah. I'm not I'm not leaving my team kind of in the gap. So that was great. So um, the prompt for, for this week's podcast topic was some articles and things and the news stories that came out a couple of weeks ago about Elon Musk. He'd actually done an interview um, and he'd talked about how many hours a week he was working and the interview is kind of a bit broader than that like the headline was Elon Musk works 120 hours a week but actually the article was a lot is not kind of what's going the on in Tesla at the moment yeah it was just that one bit that got picked out um but what was quite interesting about that article was the response I mean there was a lot of media response to it should should someone of his stature be promoting 120 hour weeks but one of my favorite kind of responses to it was from Ariana Huffington who is the founder of the Huffington Post and also Thrive Global which is an organisation that she founded after she kind of collapsed, basically, kind of through overwork. I think in her story, in her book um, called Thrive, she talks about um, she was exhausted, she hit her head. I think she ended up um, with like a bloody head and concussed and in hospital. And it was the moment that she realised that the amount of work she was doing wasn't productive. And she writes an open letter back to Elon Musk. I'll put the links to all of this because I suddenly this morning I was You've got really it. lost in this, haven't you? I've like, totally going back got on. lost in it. I, I feel like I'm part of Elon Musk's Ariana Huffington's like world with their communications. So if you too want to spend your time doing that, I'll put the article links um, in our post. But in her open letter, she basically talks to him about 
this is not he's he's part of an amazing organization changing the way that we use transportation and she talks about how working that many hours is limiting his creativity and the positive impact he can have on the world so it comes actually she positions it really positively about why 120 hours a week is not great and there's one particular statement that i like that she she writes and she says people are not machines for machines whether of the first or fourth industrial revolution variety downtime is a bug for humans, downtime is a feature. The science is clear. And then, you know, in a lot of her writing, she talks about the science of why downtime, sleep, um, recovery period actually makes you, you more efficient. So we thought we'd take this topic on, given it's quite a kind of heated topic and lots of debate and give you our perspectives. And we wanted to start with our kind of when when working lots of hours is all when we've got it right maybe and when we've got it wrong in terms of the hours we've worked and so we thought we'd share a couple of stories there for you and then go on to some tips that might help you to get it right and then maybe we'll conclude with how many hours a week do we think we should work at the end of it I liked the uh so Helen looked at a very obviously relevant story around Elon Musk and Ariana Huffington I did my research and I was looking at Darwin always Sarah always. <laughs> and, um and Dickens who <laughs> apparently both worked around four hours a day particularly in the morning always with 90 minute breaks and then they used the afternoon to go for a walk or I think the word used was stroll which I was like I love the idea <laughs> of just going for a stroll it, it's actually a really beautiful day today and I may towards the end of the day get time and I was like I'm, I'm gonna do that I'm gonna go for a stroll because <laughs> I'm gonna be like Darwin <laughs> yeah I, I absolutely love the idea of that and I think it is interesting that sometimes we equate the more time that we work that that means that your outputs are going to be even better and even more brilliant and actually if you look at some of people who've done some amazing things it's not just about kind of the time you spend so that's a different reference that we'll there's a really interesting article actually about how they approached work and that was almost prior obviously to like the industrial revolution where yeah. everything became quite productionized and mechanized uh you know when they were more in the they were using their brains and thinking and if you think about the way that work is progressing surely we're going to move more and more to that sort of mentality because we will have robots and machines to do all the things that can be uh repeated really simply we're going to need people to use the things that are unique to us as humans get very passionate about it (laughs) (laughs) while not everybody works a 40-hour week now i think the majority of people do do still do that model and and in the research i looked at um the date at which the 40-hour work week was enshrined as part of the new deal in 1937 and you had people like henry ford who'd done a lot of research on what was the optimum working week for output i mean this is in an industrial context and so this 40-hour work week set in 1937 is still the predominant model that most of us are working to and I just think we are at a really interesting tipping point where we are challenging that because actually people can work a lot more than that now should they choose to and so the 40 hour week could be considerably more because of technology largely however I also get a big sense that people don't want to do that anymore And, and so it just feels like there's some things that are just misaligned people are working more than 40 hours their company's maybe contracting to them so there's still this amount of hours you work rather than the quality of your output and individuals expectations of work and what good looks like is changing I think it's just a very interesting tipping point in how people will kind of manage their working week so are we going to start with things where we've got right or wrong which one do you want to oh, go let's with do first? Wrong first let's do wrong it's always more interesting yeah, anyway yeah. yeah do you want to go first yes it's not it's not difficult to find um <laughs> examples I think of when when I've got this wrong but what I was trying to look for was patterns of behavior so when have I consistently felt like maybe I've worked too much? So I've mm-hmm. worked more more hours than I feel is productive. And because I, I think there are some stats as well around, you know, there is a certain tipping point where you just, you just become less and less productive, you know, the more you work. And for me, the thing that I found is that 
whenever I have maybe a new project or something to launch which is really consuming and you're working to a very specific date so there is a, a kind of deadline in place I actually love doing that kind of work I'm really motivated by project work by creating things what I don't do I've realized having thought a bit about like why this always creates a lot of pressure in terms of the amount of hours that I work is I don't stop anything else and often these things are are maybe exceptional you know they're they're kind of incremental to maybe what you do day to day where there's a new idea or a new concept or maybe you're you know pitching for something which is something I do more now in, in kind of my new job and those things take up an awful lot of kind of time and energy and actually you really want them to do that because they're kind of exciting and interesting but to be able to do those brilliantly I think you do have to then start saying no or just rearrange or reschedule all the other things that you would usually spend time doing and I thought back to a couple of examples both in Sainsbury's and in my current job where that's happened and actually my the kind of tipping point and the bit where it's meant that I've been you know either phenomenally tired or you just do get a lot you know less productive or you start to make mistakes you know mm. those sorts of things is just because you you haven't created yourself the space to just deliver those projects brilliantly um, and you haven't been realistic you just sort of think oh I'll just sort of somehow make it all work and what I've started to realise, particularly more recently, where I have um, you know, more commitments to you know, picking up my son from nursery and those kind of things, there is a finite amount of time. Mm. I can't just keep saying yes. And I, I, have, I think I have this sort of attitude of like, it'll all work out. And probably most recently... We often say that to each other. And like, now you're like, yeah, we probably... Yeah. The time has got a bit more finite. Yeah. So I think previously my attitude is it'll all work out. I'll kind of make it all work. And actually it doesn't. It doesn't always work out because you do run out of time you do get really tired and you get to the point where you're like, this is, this is not, this is not going to kind of make sense. So I think that's for me where I get it wrong at the moment is something new or unexpected happens uh, and this will happen to loads of people in their jobs and then suddenly there's you know, often quite a time-pressured thing that you've got to make happen and the bit I wish I kind of do differently is just to make space for that and that's definitely not something I do at the moment. I think when you're listening to you there, um, the variety, the types of work that you need to do are different as well. Like you, if you're going meeting to meeting, that's different than if you need to come up with a creative proposal. Then it's not just the delivery of that proposal; it's you need the space to come up with the creative ideas. So working mm. back to back means that you don't do that that brilliant work. Um, mine is very specific, <laughs> and mine is about a time about three years ago that has forever changed how I look at December as a, a working month now so <laughs> sounds like you're like Scrooge or something <laughs> yeah well I've totally honestly it's really fundamentally changed how I look at December um so uh December about three years ago I was working for Virgin my little boy was about 11 months old and I was back at work really busy launching this new business for Virgin and I'd basically got really ill uh, because I had a cold I think I had a cold that had manifested itself into a chest infection and I was taking like Lemsips and goodness knows what like all legal people but like Lemsips and Beecham or whatever to try and get me through work and there was a um an evening out like with our agency at the time and I really wanted to go to it I I guess kind of having young children or like Henry at the time I didn't really feel like I was going to loads of nice evenings out and this one was at Christmas and I got to wear a nice dress and I was like I might be ill I'm really tired because I'm working really hard but I'm going to 
go and do it. And someone <laughs> felt like Cinderella. Yeah, I, will I go know. To the I'm wall. going to go. Um, yeah, my night didn't quite end like Cinderella's because uh, someone advised me. They were like, "Don't worry, Helen. Just have a glass of champagne. It'll be absolutely fine." So we got there a little bit early. I mean, my fancy dress. I mean, it's like a floor length sequin number. It was a fancy dress, and I had a glass of champagne. It's about seven o'clock, uh, and then I fainted, <laughs> and so <laughs> I had to uh, go to the hotel that had been booked for me that evening. I got in there about quarter past seven, and I woke up the next morning tried to get into the office and literally I remember I saw someone that I was working with the next morning and I was like you need to deliver a workshop for me that I saw them in a coffee queue on the way to work I was like I have to go home I really need your help to deliver me a workshop that I was supposed to do today I just need to go um and it was you know it was that that hasn't happened since it was a one-off occasion but what it taught me about December particularly is December for me is always a bit crazy like there's a lot of stuff that's not normally there in my year. There's quite a lot of social stuff, a lot of team things, a lot of meals, a lot of things going on in the evening. You've still got the, you know, the normal working week, which sometimes amps up a little bit because everyone's trying to get everything done before the Christmas break. And on top of that, and most importantly, you've got germs children's germs so I now have two young children at that time of year they just they just have loads of germs and I think that mixture means that I no longer absolutely load up my December because I sort of expect the combination of work plus the entertaining side of December plus the germs to create some kind of challenge and I'm sort of asking for to be tired and poorly and overworked if I purposefully fill that up so I'm very conscious about that now that was when I got it wrong (laughs) <laughs> I just imagine people listening to this podcast going right I need to look at December now I've got to, I've got to <laughs> looking, rethink my December yeah I think the young children thing is the very specific fact I could probably cope with everything else and, and enjoy actually a busy social December but it's the plus germs sounds horrendous that's the last thing I want to do in December <laughs> all I want to do in December is like get back as quickly as possible to have put my tea. Christmas tree on yes. and get a cup of tea just be like oh, I just want pretty. champagne and a sparkly dress and yeah okay. yeah and there we differ <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So when when have you got it right, do you think? Um, I think probably one of the things I'm most proud of is uh, a couple of years ago, and I've, I've talked about it on the podcast before, I started working basically kind of two jobs. So I started working 
in my current role in Sainsbury's four days a week and started to have a day a week that wasn't like a free day. It was a day to work on Amazing If and some of the charity stuff that I do. And I've been doing that now for, it must be sort of, what do you reckon, like two or three years? Yeah. So it's been it's been a little while, albeit part of that was a maternity leave in the middle where I didn't get any break. <laughs> so I wish I, I wish I did have a Thursday during that period. I actually probably should have in hindsight done that because that would have um, probably been quite a, quite a nice interlude to looking after a little baby. But um, I think in some ways that could have been a recipe for disaster because you're suddenly doing, it, I didn't change jobs. So, you know, I was in the same job and I'd suddenly gone from doing five days in that job to four days and everybody classically then says oh I bet you're just still doing five yeah. days worth of hours in four and you know I never really thought about it generally because I think in those five days it wasn't like I was like oh well, I'm doing x amount of hours but what I did do was kind of recalibrate what I would be able to achieve within those kind of four days and you know made sure that was realistic and something is really interesting because I, I always do loads of work kind of outside official office hours because I work at lots of different times. I like working in evenings. It suits me really well. Um, I never bothered about working at weekends. Sometimes that suited me really well. But there was something about having one day that was a separate day to kind of things that I was doing that meant I never worried about, um, you know, checking my Sainsbury's emails or doing Sainsbury's work. I very rarely changed it. You know, so people kind of go, oh, do you always end up doing stuff on a Thursday? Like, no, I always ended up doing amazing if stuff. And I really protected it. And I just felt like that was such a good use of time. I felt like I was doing both jobs really well. It, you know, I didn't feel divided, which would have been the other thing is like, oh, do you feel like you're trying to do two things simultaneously and not doing either of them really well? If anything, I just think I was so happy doing those two things kind of together and in, in collaboration that my time was really well used across those things. And I was really spending my time on things that were valuable, whether it was to me personally and kind of my projects or to Sainsbury's in kind of their projects so that was just a it really kind of sticks in my memory of going that could have been a real recipe for disaster mm. and just working way more hours but if anything I think I just work less and you think it was because you you valued and enjoyed the different types of work that you were doing so much that it gave you the incentive uh, or and to protect the boundaries that you'd created yeah and probably also at that period of time sort of two or three years ago I probably started to also have that confidence in I think my mentality is very much you should be you should be judged and you should judge your own success based on your outcomes not on your time. So if you if you believe that someone's value is based on how many hours they work that gets you to one answer. Um but if you believe someone's value is based on you know what they actually deliver for an organization and how valuable that is um whether that's tangible delivery of projects or delivery in terms of the environment and culture you create for your team then that's a that's a different point of view and I think because I I already have that point of view and I had confidence in that and I think I've I felt comfortable that the person I was working for the teams around me also had that point of view I also didn't find it stressful because I think if I'd have maybe done it five or six years ago I would have been really worried about oh I'm not here all the I'm not physically here mm. all the time I'm not maybe working as many hours as I used to um is that going to be perceived to be a detrimental thing so I think probably the biggest thing was also my natural shift to understanding that it is about kind of what you do, not necessarily kind of where you do it or how many hours it takes. It reminds me of talking about there were some people measuring the quality or impact of someone based on the, the hours they work. Again, in, in researching, I came across a book called Rest by Alex Sujung Kim Pang. Again, we'll do the <laughs> links when we post it. But he has got a sort of a very short podcast. It's I think it's like five episodes that are live at the moment to accompany the book. And I was listening to it this morning 
there's some really interesting companies that have like a 24 hour work week so rather right. than the the 40 hour there's some people that have that they, you know they work five days five hours a day and they just have like a I think it was like an eight till one working pattern yeah and then some companies that have summer hours so they do that in the summer so that they're we have summer hours I know I, I think this is extreme summer so they're oh. doing like eight, yeah I agree but I know that which is brilliant I'm, yeah, we have I, some summer hours so this is like they basically are a lifestyle business and they've something to do with paddle boards but they basically said um, the summer was their busiest time but that was where they weren't most wanted all of their workers to go do what they love which was to kind of do outdoor beach uh, sports okay. so it's like eight till one in the summer they oh, right, like every day every day oh, through wow. the summer. we don't have that <laughs> and then they did normal normal and kind of in, in kind of inverted commas but they did normal hours from in the winter time and that's where they did diff- and they then looked at what types of work they did at what types of year and it's just very interesting i guess it's just there are lots of companies um breaking the model of the traditional hours of work that you could potentially use as examples for your employer and just that so again in our links I'll put some of those because it could be useful useful for you to look at yeah and we and we know um there's a lady called Tash Walker who runs it's a research agency Mm -hmm. isn't it and she's really restructured her organization and that was prompted by I think some challenges around you know her business partner around kind of his health to actually do a four-day working week but still paying everybody the same yeah. so this this wasn't about it wasn't a cost driving we're going to pay everyone 20 percent less and she just talks so passionately about the positive impact that has had in terms of the people that attracts the business um that actually people who they want to work with are really interested yeah. in them because of that so um those examples are really inspirational because i think it's not to be underestimated how hard it is to break away from structures that have been in place for a really long time yeah and um, and so my when I feel like I've got my working hours right actually quite recently I've got an example of this I launched a big event for Microsoft or was launched a big event I was part of a big event for Microsoft a couple of months ago and um, it's quite intense getting all those events ready because you've got a lot of um, internal stakeholders that you've kind of got to manage and get you know get people to the event all that kind of stuff I always think events have this very heightened amount of effort needed yeah, for do. one moment in time if you go to an event I always think having done quite a lot of them now you for just, like my charity feel for be so team. grateful yeah. be so grateful to the people because they are so much work yeah they are so much work for that that moment in time but I think what I have learned about how I spend my time from previous experiences is that it does peak then so I will be working more hours than I would want to work consistently in the run-up to something like an event or a launch and what I now do is protect about two weeks after that so I don't put my hand up for things for example um I will proactively think do you know what I need two weeks just to sort of reset myself to actually clear down my inbox to actually think about what my priorities are for the next couple of months I just need a little bit of downtime and I reflect really positively on how I manage that because back in April that event was but I really consciously thought I'm going to protect that time there were definitely occasions where I thought oh I could do that and I could do it differently and I could and I just didn't because I thought I'll be better for the business I will have more impact if I just take a little bit of time just to reset and then I can come back re-energized refocused all, all that good stuff so I think that's what's working for me now so should we do some top tips yeah let's do some tips you want to start yeah I think just listening to Helen and I both there talking through our kind of respective experiences probably our kind of first tip is really think about what does spending your time well look like what does that actually kind of mean to you in terms of how you kind of measure that how you're spending your time Helen and I were talking about this earlier today kind of over a coffee and I was saying it's more important to me actually quite a short-term basis to make sure I'm spending my time well in terms of a balance of different things like as in within a week whereas Helen was saying actually 
she's quite happy to maybe work for more like a month or a couple of months, very focused on like sort of events she just described, as long as you know she's got the downtime straight after that. Mm. And so that, I think it's very different for everyone. Um, but almost only you knows what the answer to that is. So you've got to work out, are you happy spending your time in the way that you're spending it? And if you are working a ridiculous amount of hours, like what can you do differently? Which I think we maybe had as kind of a separate tip, but this point around you're more in control of this than probably you think. Mm. Um, yeah, you have to kind of take accountability for how many hours you work. You've, I suppose, you know, it does take confidence. You've got to be prepared to prioritise, to say no, to be able to talk to, you know, your manager and say this isn't realistic. But I've had in the past lots of people talk to me at various points because, you know, you're not necessarily always really close to the ins and outs of what people work on, say to me, this is starting to feel unrealistic. These are the projects that I'm working on. This is how I think I should prioritise. Can we talk about this together? And, you know, they're proactively taking control of how many hours Mm. they want to be spending and what feels realistic in that time. And I only ever think that's a good conversation to have. So so tip one is to think about what it looks like for you. And then tip two there is that you're more in control of the than you think, you know, define and protect your boundaries. I think um, building off that, once you've defined your boundaries, I think my tip would be to make sure you're confident in sharing that with other people and explain why it's important for you. So I wouldn't just say, oh, I stop work at um, two o'clock on a Friday and then just walk away. I would explain I stop work at two o'clock on a Friday because I'm going to do this for my development and it's important to me so that I can be a better leader. Or I would say I'm going to have a week of clear diary time after I've done that event and I would then articulate that, you know, what I just talked about previously. But I think it's really important for people to understand where you're coming from, what you're doing, and then you, you'll get more support from them in that as well. And I think another tip when you're thinking about the amount of hours that you work is to remember just how long we're all going to be working for, <laughs> which I know sounds a bit uh, depressing potentially. But it is also the reality that we're going to be working for probably more years than you know most of our parents did. And this idea of a 10, 15, 20 year career where then you sort of, you do that for a bit, you kind of kill yourself and that you opt out. It's, it's just actually becoming increasingly uncommon. And actually, do you know what? Some of the people I know who are very senior, who do work incredibly hard and probably could choose to opt out, mm. still don't choose to do it. Because yeah. actually I think they get a lot of value from work and they, they really enjoy it. So I think when you start to realise... It's not a rush, it's not it's, a race. Yeah, you know, we were actually chatting about this earlier about going... It's it's a really kind of cheesy phrase, but I think it is true for like most of the people I know now when we think about all of our careers. We're as motivated by enjoying the journey, so enjoying the here and now, enjoying the jobs that we've got now, enjoying the next job after this, as we are by kind of the destination, um, as in, oh, I'm only doing this to get a certain job. And I think, again, if you're framing your mindset in that way, it really does make you think about, well, am I enjoying how I'm spending my time at the moment? Does that feel like a good use of time? Am I having the impact that I was hoping to make in the here and now? Because it becomes increasingly, I guess, unpredictable and difficult to predict what will be next. That kind of career ladder is sort of disappearing, you know, more and more. That You've just got to make sure that you're you're enjoying it in the moment because I often do worry, actually, if people really hang their hats on, it's okay because I'll, I'll do this and work yeah. incredible hours because this thing is going to happen. Actually, now there's so much change within organisations that thing might not happen because well, that role might disappear. Well, or... Do you know what? Even if that thing happens, what if it's not the thing that you thought it was? If we're not getting into too kind of do, too deep and meaningful, you're, you're applying all this meaning to it and you get there and you're like, oh, if that's been the only destination you've been aiming for, 
um, I think you could end up kind of a bit, a bit challenged by that. It's always a balance, isn't it? You know, the whole like short term, long term. And, you know, you do make choices. And, uh, you know, I think most roles have some sort of level of compromise. But I, I would always now really encourage people when I'm mentoring and coaching them to kind of think, yeah, do you broadly speaking feel like within the role that you're doing now, it, it's a good use of your time? Yeah. Um, and my last tip is um, potentially a little bit controversial, which is that if work feels like work, is it time to question whether that's the right work? And the reason I say it's controversial is because work, you know, work is something that requires effort and that you're going to get paid for your time. So it's always going to feel a bit like work. But I guess it's what I mean by this is if you are resentful of the amount of time you're spending on work, it could be one of two things going on. One, it might be taking too much time. You might need to relook at your boundaries and things like that. Or it could be that it's not the right work for you. And I think if that's where you are, if you're resentful of spending a lim- any limited amount of time on, yeah. on the work that you're doing, I think it's just time to relook at what do I really want to do? What makes me happy? What are my values? What are my strengths? Various things that we've covered on other podcasts. So it's worth the look of those. But I think if, if that's where you are, no amount of us talking about how many hours is the right hours is going to work because fundamentally it's about you enjoying the work that you're doing regardless of how much time you're spending on it. And it's interesting because it makes you just stop and pause about the definition of when we say work, sometimes there's an implication of that's not a good thing, mm. that, that that work equals... I love work. <laughs> ..there's somewhere else I'd rather be. And actually, yeah, I, I, I agree. Not all the time. Um, <laughs> but certainly there is uh, work that I do and things that I spend time on that I would proactively you know choose to be spending my time on I get a lot of happiness satisfaction and pride from and I think over probably the course of my career that's only increased and so at the moment sometimes for me it's not not even about hours it's just about with the hours that I've got where I can work am I working on the right things am I working on things that I add the most Mm. value rather than thinking oh I want to work less I don't necessarily want to work less I want to work on the right things I think that's probably the same for most of us yeah Okay, so hopefully that's helped. You've heard a couple of our stories and um, give you a bit of context about the, the changing world of work and a couple of tips there. Maybe if we just highlight a couple of resources. Again, we'll link to all of these before we go on to what we're going to cover off next week. So the first resource I've got is on Inc.com and it's around what hours should I work every day as an entrepreneur, which is quite interesting because there's uh, research to say that entrepreneurs work a significant amount more hours a week than the average person because it's their business, they're kind of more committed to it. So if that's where you, where you you are that could be a useful resource um there's also an article i loved on salon.com and it's called no i haven't heard of it but the article is bring back the 40 hour work week uh, which is interesting in terms of what we talked about but i think it's in the context of people are working all the time and actually there was a lot of research gone into people lose productivity after about eight hours but it is such what i like about it is such a well-researched article it goes through the history of the development of the working week and different models that were trialed really useful if you kind of want to get into that sort of stuff also got um an article on theguardian.com which is is 28 hours are the ideal working week for a healthy life and then this book that i found called rest mm. um the the person who's written that's got a website um called um it's, it's www.deliberate.rest loads of articles loads of his work lots of content to support the book on there there's also i was watching this morning while straightening my hair an interview with the author and ariana huffington talking about it as well which was sarah's nodding at me like oh. i'm like I've, i found that that was my bit of research <laughs> i was gonna say that you've just stolen my thunder uh, sorry i was sorry. gonna be my like oh I found this extra thing, Helen. Yeah, it, it's really good. I watched it. It's a, it's a conference and Aaron Huffington's amazing. Um, so maybe before we talk about next week, the, the thing to end on is that the 
how many hours is the right amount of hours? And I think the, the answer that we get to is that there is no right number, whether it's you're working a 24 hour week or a 40 hour um, or, you know, maybe for Elon Musk, 120 hours is the right thing. Though There's research to debate that. But I think the point is, it's when you do your best work, how you do your best work and how energized you feel by it. And I think if you're you're energized by however many hours you're doing and you feel like you're doing your best work then you know what whatever that number is is unique to you and it might change in and out of weeks so I don't think there is a perfect answer to that I wonder if we should do that as an experiment though if people are listening and interested yeah um if you're following us on Instagram uh when we post the podcast if people would be interested to know I certainly would be up for doing like a couple of weeks where I actually measure how many hours I work and different kind of types of work. Yeah. So um, if you want, if you want us to do it, so that we can, you can, we can give you a, a very accurate answer, is very honest in terms answer. of the reality. Yeah. Um, I actually don't even know what the number would be because as Helen, I, Helen and I were talking about, do we give an exact number on the podcast? And I was like, actually, I'd need to do the exercise because almost I'm. But we could share. But I, think, but I think the point is that it's different for everybody, and there is no there are the there isn't the only right is that you're doing work that energizes you and you're doing it at your yeah. best. I think if you're exhausted by the work that you're doing and it's not your best work, they need to look at how much time you're spending on work and the work that you're doing. So, yep, we can share if that's interesting. We can share it, but I think don't we are our hours are not necessarily the hours you should be doing. It's just how we feel about the work that we do. So, on that note, next week's podcast, Sarah, what are we talking about? So we thought uh, we're just coming into September and I think September always has a bit of a back to school feel, partly for me particularly because we're moving offices. So I almost feel like I should be going out and getting like a new pencil case, (laughs) new pair of shoes. You know, I feel like I'm going back to school, like a new bag. I approve all of those purchases. Yeah. (laughs) So um, this is also often a point during the year, I think, where, you know, you've been on holiday, you've hopefully had a bit of a break over the summer and people start to recommit a little bit more to thinking a bit about you know your career and kind of where you are and so we thought we'd do kind of the next podcast on a bit of a it's almost like a September back school career kickstarter session so you perhaps at the start of the year thought I'm really going to start thinking about my career a bit more and you know you listen to this podcast so you know you've, you've definitely done something about it but maybe there's a bit more you'd like to do to really start accelerating this so we're going to just do a podcast all about kind of hints and tips to kind of really just start accelerating how you think about your career where you're going kind of what you want to do next so thank you very much for listening this week as ever there are lots of places you can get in touch with us you can email us with any feedback you've got or any suggestions for future podcasts to get in touch at amazingif.com we're also on twitter where we're at amazing underscore if and we're amazing if on instagram and on instagram we do a daily squiggly careers tip so you can follow that if you'd like kind of some more inspiration and if you have a spare minute in your day and would love to give us a feedback um, a review on iTunes, that would be massively appreciated because it helps us to reach more people and help them to succeed with the skills they need to manage their squiggly career. So thank you again for your time this week and we'll be back with you next week. Bye everyone. Thanks for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.